Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pelvic Health Podcast. It's Lori Forner here. Today's episode is all about graded exposure and I have with me the fabulous, two fabulous women, Sandy Hilton, who's been on the podcast before and Bronnie Lennox-Thompson. Now, if you don't know who she is, I will put links in the show notes so that you can learn more about her. She has an unbelievable blog called Health Skills, which is health professionals supporting chronic pain self-management. She's practiced as an occupational therapist therapist. She's um, completed postgraduate studies. She's got her master's in psychology. She's finished her PhD. She has worked with a lot of patients who have persistent pain. She has papers. She's absolutely brilliant and a joy to talk to. And she's from New Zealand, so she's got a cool accent too. And our discussions on graded exposure today are not just pelvic health related. We're talking about low back pain, uh, but we do get into the topics of what happens when you have pain with sexual intercourse and how do you, you know, grade your exposure to that. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Before I let you listen, I need to give a really big shout out to Tom Astill. I hope I said your name right. Um, He is the first person to pledge $2 a month to support the Pelvic Health Podcast. Um, And at this point, the only person, (laughs) sorry, I I am not offended if people don't. I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, But if you would like to donate and help keep this podcast free to help cover the costs, you can head on over to download the Podbean app, which still gives you all the episodes to listen to, just like the Apple Podcasts app, but there's a little red button called Be a Patron, and then you can pledge $1 a month or $2 a month, um, which just helps me cover the costs. If you don't, I am still extremely grateful for you listening. If you do, I will be posting episodes that are patron-only episodes, so we'll be reviewing articles, you can pick a topic, um, and we'll we'll run through some of those things. Um, Okay, I will let you listen now. Thank you so much for both of you coming on to the podcast. So let's get into it. Let's talk about graded exposure. Now you guys can take turns at any time, whenever whenever you (laughs) want to speak, speak over each other. I am just going to sit here and learn and listen. Um, Okay, so what is graded exposure? What are we talking about? Well, I'll kick off with the psychological approach, which is where graded exposure first started. And it's really based on the idea that people become afraid of doing something or seeing some kind of stimulus and because they're afraid of it they don't want to go near it and so they never actually test out whether this thing is as scary as it really is. So if we take spiders and I don't like spiders, I really don't like spiders, (laughs) Sandy's laughing at me, 
But, you know, I got to the point where even the top of the, the tomato, you know, the little green things oh, on the yeah. top of the tomato, and that would be on the floor, and I would jump because I thought it was a spider. Just really bad. So with spider phobia, what a psychologist will do is create a hierarchy of, um, of threat, starting from a cartoon spider that looks really cute and has a real little smile on it and it stays still, right up to I have my hand open and there is a tarantula crawling all over it. And what you do is you start with the thing that is the least threatening and you're attempting to allow the person to experience some anxiety and then as they're in contact with that thing that they're afraid of, the anxiety reduces. And it, it has to because we can't maintain that high level of fear and fright for very long. So as you sit there and you realise actually maybe it's not as scary as what I thought it was, that threat value drops and then you can wander around. And then the next step is let's bring out maybe we start with a cartoon spider that doesn't move with a smiley face. And then we have a cartoon spider that has a smiley face but moves, just increases that threat value just a little. And so then you have to watch it move and be calm and so on, right up to the point where for those that really want to, um, you get to the point where you can quite comfortably have a tarantula walking over your hand, which um, I didn't go that far <laughs> because we don't have tarantulas, but we have some fairly um, yay big about probably the size of a top of a jam jar. Like huntsman. Size spiders. Yeah, yeah, like a huntsman. Yeah. Um, though they're not far south, so, so they're or not where I live. Spiders in North yeah. America. Yeah, and we don't have um, poisonous spiders in New Zealand, oh. so they're not. We don't have anything that will kill you. Yeah, not like Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Just the this weather. Is, this is like a very strange travel episode. <laughs> New Zealand, <laughs> Chicago, yeah. uh, Brisbane, Australia, like America. Yeah, yeah. Why not? We'll so compare spider sizes. Yeah. So with, with the idea of the um, the graded exposure, you're really looking to identify those, the really scary feature of this thing that the person's fearful of or is avoiding. So with pain-related um, graded exposure, um, Johan Vlyan was the first person to, to do this with people who have pain. And he was looking at the effect of doing a graded exposure um, process with people who had back pain. And so, again, design, um, identify all the activities that the person is avoiding and then start with a thing that has the least threat and get them to do it. What you do is you rate your fear before and you rate your fear afterwards and you notice for most people that fear level drops substantially. So it's not addressing pain. And that this is a classic way of doing graded exposure. So the idea is that instead of addressing pain, you're addressing avoidance and distress. So as the distress drops and the avoidance stops, people can get in contact with this thing that they're afraid of doing without, um, without as much fear and 
consequently, actually the pain does drop because when you do a report of your pain, that's a verbal behavior. And part of that report is how much I'm bothered by this pain. It's not a simple intensity report. It's a, ooh, I really don't want this pain. And so as they get more comfortable with this movement or whatever they're doing, that pain reporting drops as well. So in a sense, you're addressing the actual fear of the anticipation that this thing's going to be really scary and I could either not cope with the pain or um, I'm going to break something, my body's going to fall apart and reduce that um, anxiety level and you reduce the avoidance and you also tend to reduce the the, um, pain intensity by virtue of you're reducing that distress. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. It's enormously successful with people who are avoiding activities and they're afraid of them. Now, some people are afraid of doing activities and they still do them with fear and loathing. Like, (laughs) I really don't want to bend over, but I have to because that's the only way I can get my shoes on, that kind of thing. And so with graded exposure, what, what we would do is help somebody to do that, but to feel more um, comfortable with it so they might use some breathing they might use some mindfulness so that they can manage to do it so the the key thing is that you grade that level of um, exposure to from not that terrifying to oh my god there's no way I'm going to do that and you just sneak the um, exposure up and the other real key feature of this is to put um, get people to not just focus on the things that you've identified and you've coached them through doing, but get them to generalise those skills out in the real world. So, for example, if somebody's worried about walking over rough ground and we do it in a clinic and then we go outside and we do it on the footpath, then we need to get that person to do that same thing everywhere around their neighbourhood, anywhere they go. So the way I do that is get them to take a photo with their phone, of all the places that they've done this thing every day so that they're getting that practice. Um, And I found that usually you go from one to ten, so you have ten steps on that hierarchy, and usually by the time I get to about three or four, people have clicked and they can do it for themselves. And all of a sudden they start going straight up to the most scary things. And it's amazing. Now, so that's, that's my way. <laughs> I, I like that. Can I, what happens if people don't ever address any of those things? Like spiders, I think is easy enough to comprehend that, well, if I'm afraid of that, why would I do graded exposure when I can just never be near a spider <laughs> and my life is totally fine? Whereas from like a back pain or movement perspective, like you said, if someone's got pain bending over, they should probably work on it because at some point they're going to have to bend over. But yeah, what happens if you decide to be that person who just um, doesn't, um, who just continues to avoid things? Like, is that bad? Yes, it is. And what seems to happen is that you might be, first of all, afraid of bending forward to put your shoes on, but then it becomes broader and you avoid more things so you avoid bending down to hang your washing you know pick your washing up to hang it up or to make your duvet you know pull the duvet up over your bed or any move 
that approximates moving my back. So over time, I've seen people do some really bizarre things because they don't want to move. Um, so I've had somebody who wouldn't sit down but would crouch. Now, we know, because we're health people, that that's the same position as when they're sitting. But that's the weird thing about a phobia, and this is kinesiophobia or fear of doing these movements, is that it's really does not make sense at all. So it's not logical, and so you can't apply logic. You know, somebody who's afraid of, of um, flying, you can say as much as you like, the, the plane is not going to fall out of the sky because the pilot really does want to go home. And you know what? They still won't go. Right? So it's not, it's not logical. It. It, yeah, it's not logical. So, yeah, so mainly we help the person realise all the things that they're not doing. So I was a spider-phobic. I'm still not comfortable with them. What I had, hadn't realised was that I wasn't reaching into the back of a cupboard because there would be a spider there. I wasn't gardening without gloves on, long gloves that go right up to my elbows because there were spiders in there. I wouldn't go into the dark um, garage because there were spiders there. And it had invaded, and like I said, the top of a tomato, <laughs> the green thing. I'd be freaking out at that. Or a little bit of black fluff from my um, my pussycat <laughs> was, would be on the ground. And I'd think, oh, no, it's a spider. It, it had invaded so many parts of my life. You don't realise that till you, till you don't need to avoid. It's incredible. Yeah. So if we think of this in like a pelvic point of view, the type of things that people might be avoiding because of pain or fear of pain, um, Sandy, can you give us some examples? Well, sitting is a great one. And I wrote that down, Bronnie. I loved your a photo every day. There's many things in pelvic health that that would be inappropriate. However, um, the, 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 I will work with people that have been told they need to always use that, that special little cushion to sit on because if they sit, their tailbone hurts or their mm. sit bones hurt. Um, so they're, they're very careful and very um, vigilant about what surface they sit on and for how many minutes and and really try and protect that. Uh, and it does, it affects every, every part of your life. Um, but I've had people with graded exposure, not from the the phobia and the strict definition part of it, but from the here's a task that you are having problems with, we're going to grade the effort to this task with little bits and, and make it very specific on how you do it. So we've done what I call therapeutic sitting, where it's like you know you can sit on the easiest surface, the most simple thing for you to do, and you know and are confident you can do that for five minutes, then we'll start there. And then at a very set like a minute every day build up to a certain amount of time and that's great except for you have to take that into the real world because it's not enough to have to be on your special cushion or in your special chair you have to be able to sit anywhere in movie theaters and in restaurants and rocks and things like that and I have told people to go to like furniture stores to to take a friend to a furniture store and watch how their friend will pick different chairs or sofas that they're comfortable sitting on. And they naturally like some and don't like others. Like their, their bums have preferences. And, and that's normal. And you lose sight of that, that people get to have preference. 
like I don't like that chair. It's fine. It's safe. I just don't like sitting in it. Is it's normal. Um, but but I like the idea of go take a picture of everything you sit on every day. That would be great because then you start getting this little photo album of things you've conquered. Like, um, and my head always goes to a Dr. Seuss poem. It was like I can sit on a rock and I can sit on a whatever. And, and you know, it's it, all the different things and surfaces that we should be able to just adapt to. Um, but they'll they'll learn it becomes associated with if I put my bum on that surface, I will hurt. And the expectation is that, and we know that that if that's the expectation, it increases the likelihood that it's true. And then that's one more learned association that that steals more of their life from them. So I think it's very much, like Bronnie said, of helping people just recover that territory of things that are important to them that they haven't realized they've given up and shifted and stopped and um, and, and getting it all back. So sitting is is probably the easiest one to do. How do you Jumping tackle those? Bicycle. Oh, bicycles, Pardon? yes. Bicycles. Jumping on a bike or, you know, there are so many things that we do that, you know, using a different height toilet. Yes. Going, going yeah. to Asia and having a squat toilet. I mean, mm-hmm. these are things that people freak out about. Mm. So getting on really a bus cool. or a train or, or, yep. or a plane. Yeah, getting on a bicycle is fun because so many people, again, it's expectations. And, and mm. you're told or you think or you get online and it's like, oh, my goodness, I have pelvic pain. I'll never be able to ride a bike. Heaven forbid a motorcycle because not only oh, is gosh. it a, a seat, but right, all of that vibration, that's just going to mm. do you in. Um, so that expectation is pretty strong and we have to, to eliminate the fear um, associated it not just by talking to them but by proving it you know you did it for two minutes you were fine yeah great now let's go do it for three minutes look it's, you're still it, fine and then we just use it as a play and yeah. so that way people can try all sorts of different ways of doing the thing that they're afraid of doing right. which get doing it tech with stuff <laughs> and doing it sloppy you know yeah. like yeah sit on one cheek and then, and then shift and sit on the other cheek. Stick a foot up underneath you. Do those things that are real human movement. Slouch. Um, it is slouch. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> sit sideways. You know, just cross your just legs. Go be, be a slob. Yeah. And and that makes so much more sense than trying to do everything absolutely perfect. Um, I just, it was the theme of the week was was getting people to be able to use their pelvic floor muscles with coordination and control and not think about where in their breath pattern that was happening. <laughs> it's like, that's a really great way to learn how to identify something, but then you've got to move past that because life does not happen on the exhale or the inhale. It just is messy and and has to be able to happen well in, in bad, sloppy situations and chaos. Sandy, I was wondering, do you do that with clothing? Because I could imagine wearing mm-hmm. jeans versus stretchy clothes or a skirt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, but thanks to Bronnie, we have the pelvic photo cards now <laughs> for that. Because because trying to pull all this information out of someone can be hard because they don't know mm. what they've lost. Right? You adapt and you adapt more and you adapt more. And it's not sitting right in front of your head that, wow, I haven't worn jeans in four years unless they think about it. Um, or I stopped wearing that kind of underwear or, you know, what is your favorite thing? If this was gone, what would you be doing? So can and, you tell us a little bit more about the photo cards? The photo, it's, um, well, the photographs of daily activities, um, and they were done for back and then there's a pediatric set 
And when Bronnie was up in Chicago at Entropy, she was talking about wanting to do one for New Zealand because the the context of those cards didn't match culturally. Yeah. Um, so we have them. We have a whole batch, different ethnicities, different ages, different, not just the movement planes, because the way that the back ones were done was, you know, bending, extending, twisting, that kind of thing. But but actually, there's lots of different things that people avoid. Being in a busy um, supermarket is perfect because people are really afraid of being hit. So lots of photos um, that, yeah, we share. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sandy took off with it. <laughs> we did because I wanted some pelvic-specific ones um, of, of where it would be, you know, skinny jeans or, or yoga or, or, or a rock because you don't want to sit on one and you're afraid. So it's all of those, those conditions. And they're, they're pictures with no words. And what, how we tell people to do is just to put them in, you know, pick some that you that are meaningful to you and put them in order from easiest to hardest. Um, challenge at your easiest to most challenging or things that you really wish you could do. I, I have my, my script I use, but I, I'm going off it. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then they do that. And then it's like when you have little kids and you ask them, tell me about this picture because you don't want to say, oh, that's a beautiful horse. And you find out it's a car. <laughs> um, the, the, it's just. You know, tell me about this. And then they say what it is about those pictures that is meaningful to them and what they want to be able to do or they used to be able to do. And the stories that come out with that and the sense of, of priority that comes out with that is just absolutely beautiful. And then I take a picture and I scan it into their chart. And then sometime later, I'll pull them back out. So are, do they become R-rated? Yeah. Well, we have some, we have some, some pictures of people having a clearly an intimate relationship. Um, that, and there's different, um, Positions. there's boys and girls and yeah, a little couple. Yeah. Um, and all of the different, um, well, not all, uh, a few of the different vibrators and dildos and, um, Ooh. dilators, um, a trampoline. You can't have a yeah. pelvic thing without a trampoline in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a deck. It's like fifty-four cards, I think. Yeah, um, oh, that's interesting. That's they said. You know, when we were talking about, or I asked the question about uh, trying to, what, how big of a deal is it if you just avoid certain things? And we know that those physical movements we do, like you said, will often um, become catastrophic and really start to affect the rest of your life. But how how does that all work when we're talking about intimacy and intercourse? Because that is something that is very easily put aside and ignored and forgotten and pretended right? like I'll it's just, never happened. I'll just never do it again. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so that you, you, at the risk of oversimplifying, because this is not simple, mm. um, it, I guess, it's, um, it's not terribly complicated, but it is very complex, if I get the words correct there the it you have to find out what is the challenge i tell my patients i make sex very unsexy because i'm interested in you know what is it touch is it pressure is that shearing movement um where is the problem and then we can break that down to the component tasks so if touch just touching that tissue is the problem then we start there of what how close to that area can you get where it's not a problem where it's not a bother or not painful and then work on that edge to try and do some sensory integration techniques. Um, so that would be their first graded of exposures. Can you do light touch? What if you get like a soft cloth? What if you, 
you know, use warm water in the area, you know, all of the different sensory inputs that you can use. Um, and then you should be able to touch and be able to put some pressure in it. And that's my, where you might come to the standard use of a dilator set or um, one of the pelvic wands where you can work on grading exposure to that. Um, shearing is a little more interesting. <laughs> You're going to need to put something of appropriate size in and back out. And that depends on your sexual um, preference and habits and what you're aiming for, of what that's going to look like. I think it's really important when we're talking in return to sexuality and sensuality that we don't make assumptions of what someone's preferences are um, and who they're going to be doing it with. Yeah. So I try really hard to not fill in those spaces, but let people give me the words I'm going to use. Because um, when I get it wrong, I get it fabulously wrong. And you have to apologize and start over. And I'd just rather not do that. Um, so so that is, um, that. then that's that. And, and you just really just break the task down. Um, but Andy, what do you do to help people... Um, stay with that discomfort as they coming to the edge of what's tolerable. What right. do you do? I, I think that's the most important part of where you start, where you you get the classic, as I understand it, of where you start with any graded program is what are you confident you can do safely, mm. so that 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 first that that zero application is something that you're like, well, that was fine, and you need that anchor of wait, I did that and it was okay. Because the next step is something that's going to push that edge a little. And you need to know it's just a little. And then you you go, all right, that wasn't so bad either. And then now that's your new normal. And then the next step, you push it a little bit more. And it's just this very systematic stepwise. You don't get to skip to, you know, I, I was able to, to put a, a, a dildo in vaginally and it didn't hurt. And I took it back out and I thought, you know what, let me practice that 14 more times today. That would be not appropriate because those tissues aren't ready for it. You're not, you don't have the endurance built up to all that pressure and shear and things. So, so we really talk through, no, it's just, we're supposed to just be nudging this edge and it, I want it to be boring. I want it to be just a little challenging, but really pretty much boring because then there is no, um, overprotected response you're more like that was stupid great <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> because then it didn't not only did it not hurt but it was also just kind of like i you know no. this this is yeah this is like nothing which is exactly yeah. what it should feel like if you're doing a very mechanical stretch and pressure on tissues that are normally sensitive but you're not overly pushing or being brutal you're just moving them it should feel like pretty much nothing um, but I tell them pleasure's on the other side of boring, so that's what we really are looking for, is that where you're not anticipating that it be painful and you're not having to protect, you're not triggering the protective response to the pelvic floor, and then then you're like, yeah, I could do this, and I took it in and out, and I was just like thinking of all the things I had to do for grocery shopping, and I was like, <laughs> that's so awesome. Did it hurt? No, it was just pretty much boring. Fantastic. And then they get to go more what I call the the, the pleasure hunts, which I think I got from Bronnie, um, <laughs> of doing the little snacks of three to five minutes at a time where you go do stuff that is purposefully pleasurable. Of Because that can be very scary, right? If you like, like an orgasm is out of controlness, hmm. right? You don't, you can't say I'm going to do that for one minute and stop. It's not really... <laughs> something that that you have that control of it's it's like jumping off a high dive um you 
it just happens. Um, and, and it's over when it's over. You don't get control of that. At least I don't know how to teach anyone control of that. So, um, the, so they, they have to, to be willing to take that risk of a little bit of unknown if they're going to start working on pleasure and things. And, and that can be really terrifying because they're like, well, what happens if it all comes back? And I do this thing and now it all comes back. So a lot of the graded exposure and the sensory integration techniques that go with that um, in my practice are to give them that, that support to fall back on, the safety signals of, yes, this is, this is challenging, but you have these safety signals that go with it, that you know you're okay because. And then, then you have to start taking those away too because you can't, you can't be, it's like sitting, it can't just be on that special little cushion. You can't have a normal, intimate relationship if there has to be this particular sequence of events for it to be okay. Mm. So, so those are all steps towards, I guess, chaos of spontaneous enjoyment. Bronnie, you've said in the past, sorry, um, that when you're working with people, um, you're going to cause a flare-up because those kind of things happen and that's normal so within graded exposure do you does that happen do you warn people that you know we need to nudge these things and sometimes you're going to go a little bit too far and then how to come back from that um the way i i approach it it was i was just going to ask sandy about this i use mindfulness so that when a new experience comes along it's not judged it's just noticed so even when we're doing the easy parts, it's just being aware of the and naming what's happening. So, oh, my, my mind's telling me this could be scary, um, but the actual sensations are warm, stretchy, not any judgment. Oh, we call curious. it clean pain. Yeah, clean pain or dirty pain. So clean oh. pain is just the sensations. Dirty pain is, oh, and I really hate them. And I really like oh. that pain. I was going to yeah, say, that gets tricky in the pelvis. <laughs> yeah, but in a sense it doesn't because people know that the sensations are clean. They're just the sensations of burnies, um, tingly, stretchy, stingy. And then you add the judgment, which is, and I don't like it, and this is horrible, and I don't want it, mm. and it's an awful pain or it's a horrible pain. And when you take those emotional judgments away and you just describe the sensations and you can then notice that yes your mind might be telling you some things that this is scary so oh hello that's my mind telling me it's scary so hello scary nice to meet you and thanks but I'm doing this it's more fun um and that's really again based on on an act approach acceptance and commitment mm. therapy where thoughts and feelings show up and what we can do is try to avoid those. So we avoid, and that's really what graded mm. exposure is about. We want to avoid this icky feeling. So we do them, allowing that icky feeling to be present without judging it, without trying to change it. And lo and behold, it just fades away. So a flare-up is going to happen because that is life. We'll get tired or we have a, a bug or we're starting to... Um, go f further than we really are ready for and that's where noticing that I am doing it noticing the quality and nature of those those experiences the body 
experiences and sensations and noticing that my mind's having a good go at me. Um, you know, I've got this thing telling me, my mind's telling me this is scary. I won't ever come back from it. And then just saying, okay, thanks for telling me that, but breathe. This is what I'm feeling in the here and now. Because nine times out of ten, those thoughts are anticipation of what might happen or they're um, remembering what has happened in the past. And that's not what's happening right now. Like, I really like that way of being just in the moment. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I talk about it like unhooking those the what's happened yeah. from before and what you think is going to happen in the future is just to unhook that and just, just, just do this right now. Um, but I, I like that concept. I, I probably would pick something other than dirty pain because you're right. When we talk about yeah. that with pelvic health, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'll, I'll find words. I love that concept of teaching people, though, the, the difference between I feel this. Some people are not comfortable with those sensations at mm. all. Mm. You know, it's like you either hyper focus on the area or you have tried to make it not even part of you. Um, yeah. So trying to reintegrate the sensation of body ownership there and understanding that that it's normal to feel changes in pressure and changes in position and sometimes pain because you should know if something's poking you you should know that um and then you you stop it and then it's fine um but they'll they need to, to be able to not get that um that attachment of i don't like it it has to be bad yeah, you can just go thing. Mm. I don't like it, and that's probably normal. <laughs> you, mm. should, you shouldn't. You don't necessarily have to like it if you feel like your underwear is crawled up your bum. You, you know, just yeah. fix that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the cool thing is that when you move into the pleasurable part, then you also stop the mind chatter. So people are actually in the middle of this wonderful experience that we have instead of thinking about. Um, oh, what's going to happen next? Am I performing right? Is is he going to hurt me or is she going to hurt me? And that is um, really crucial for keeping you in the moment of enjoying what you actually have. So I think teaching mindfulness as a beginning skill for doing graded exposure is a fantastic um, way of disconnecting the judgment, the mind from judging what what's going on. Very cool. I think the tricky things now that I see with some people just few is that now the term mindfulness is being you know they now that's the term they don't like and they feel that it's it's icky because um, I think people have taken that term and, and have done a lot of extra things with it it then gets overused and then that's the last thing that they want to do so yeah. being creative and so calling it you. doing the same thing <laughs> just calling it something different and this is yeah. it's so interesting noticing. what's that yeah I just call it just noticing. noticing what yeah, do you yeah just notice what are you noticing yeah, what and you, what, what's happening right now? And it stops that um, idea that you've got to do meditation to do mindfulness. Well, we can be mindful while we're cleaning our teeth. So we don't have to be sitting there going, oh, we can just experience and just notice. Let's be curious. Very um, playful, really. Adventure. And, and to find that, which is why I like the the. the chasing pleasure to get that sensuality back of of okay you're going to be standing there brushing your teeth how good can that feel yeah. you know just just really how good can it feel how much can you really like that and and make that somewhat of a a, a, a challenge um mm. 
to see to see how good something can be. If you have ever um, gone to bed without brushing your teeth and you may oh, have had some so wine gross. or gin and you wake up in the morning and you're like, I just need this fuzzy Very sweater gross. off my teeth. So <laughs> that feels so good afterwards. Yep. <laughs> right? And and finding that kind of sensual pleasure in what you do throughout the day can be a very confronting piece of homework that I give people. And some people don't even, I mean, that's like, I want you to do, you know, spread throughout your day, do three or five minute things that just feel good, can be smelling a flower, can be whatever. And they'll just look at me with blank expression. I'm like, okay, so we're going to back that up. And, and I get to ask the, what, you know, what do you do for fun? Is there, is there an answer to that question? Because sometimes there's not. And then you back, and it's like, what did you used to do for fun? What would you, and you, sometimes it's like, you got to go really pretty far back to, is there anything that, that feels good when you do it? And that's not an exaggeration to say that there are people that, that the answer to that is no, yes. no. Wow. Okay. So then you're starting from it all pretty much sucks to how do we carve out little moments in the day that are better than that. Do you find this concept? And that's, that's when during... those cards come in handy oh. too. Sometimes that's when I'll pull them out and, and just yeah. be like, what here would do you think might be interesting? And if even by, by none of it matching, we generate some thought. Yeah. Um, Plant to see. Because you just get that blank, I got nothing. And you got to help somehow. Do you find these concepts are difficult for physios or other health professionals to implement because it's not black and white it's not a strict this is step one step two like there's so much creativity in helping people this way which I love because everyone's different and you did say like there are kind of certain steps that you follow and take and it's graded and it's gradual Um, but yeah do you find that some people just feel like they want you to tell them exactly what they need to do as in health professionals who are trying to uh, treat other people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same. <laughs> Give me step yes. one, step two. But no, it's it's not. It's, it's so much about listening to the person that you're working with to hear where they're, where they're at and then moving your response. Like, like you were saying, Sandy, if they can't identify something that they enjoy, not actually giving them the answer, but backing it up. And saying, what else, you know, if it's something that's not pleasurable, is there something that feels okay, <laughs> you know, so that you just come back. And that's that's really hard for people who are used to there is this linear progression that everybody must follow. Um, I think that's really challenging. <laughs> it is. It's, it's tough because, and I think it, the, the more of a hurry you're in, or the other, how many other things are happening at the same time? It makes it harder to do it. Um, it a, a very distracting environment that would be challenging because you're asking someone to think about some things that are pretty hard. If you're not paying attention and helping them along, that's I mean, you're not leading them. You're just there and helping and not letting mm-hmm. them sketch out of it. Um, the that's that would be hard to do in some settings. Um, and if and if you're not terribly patient as a therapist for whatever reason that's not going to work when you're sitting there huffing with your arms crossed and wondering why they don't have the answer yet is is not gonna be terribly helpful Um, so I I don't know that that it's the style of therapy that everyone would like to do Um, but if people want to learn 
Yeah. If people want to learn more uh, ways or getting the background concept um, and just learning more about it, any specific ideas of where to send them to learn more about graded exposure? I think I would start actually with learning to use mindfulness yourself. That's being fully in the moment because that to me is the key to feeling okay about doing this because you have to be it's a dance and your yes. job is to follow not to lead and and yet you're guiding kind of um and then I I think Johan Vlyan's book is probably the very best book which uh is fear um fear well that well, yeah. brain's gone utterly blank it's so not fear it. loathing in Las Vegas I'm assuming no no, <laughs> no. that was the second fear I think it's called um, and it, it is about graded exposure, but I can give yeah. you the, the details of it. It's, he's got a lovely video of how they do it for back pain. Hmm. So if you're doing this for other parts of the body and it's used hmm. across every pain area, then that, that would be an excellent framework. Um, it's all done in, um, in Dutch, I think can't remember the language but then it's got English subtitles mm. so it's okay it's really easy to understand yeah yeah and you'd get the body language from that I haven't I have not looked at that video that'll be fun um oh, very cool <laughs> love resources I'm taking notes while Brownie's talking by the way <laughs> I don't um, need notes because I just um have this you know video on my computer that I'll watch <laughs> all the time <laughs> the um it, it is Principles, not a protocol to follow, although I think that if you're a, a physio and you're wanting to pick up on this, get the graded motor imagery handbook that um, David Butler, Laura Mosley, and, oh gosh, Tim Beams, and I can't remember the other guy's name, Tom, Tom. I'll write um, it, to, I'll put it in the links. The, but their, their book goes through, because it's, it's done with the CRPS and um, population as the example, uh, and that's also not public research but but it does go through kind of the background and the steps and how you would do this there's portions of that that I don't use because we don't use the mirror work and things but mm. the concepts of, of classic graded exposure it's really operant conditioning um, is is there um, so if you're looking for something that gives you some of the rules to follow because I've not read yet um, the pain related fear but that wrote that down too so yay next book oh, yeah. it's, it's, um, the original Johan has written a few papers with describing the process but that the book actually takes you step by step talks about the skills that that are useful to have like an understanding of behavior and and um, conditioning um, the ability to be flexible to be creative those sorts of things it's not saying you must be a psychologist to do this or you must be a physio and in fact, I don't think that it should be. I think that it's a process that we can all implement. And the more of us that do, the more people are going to be able to live a real life. Not a, not a oh, you must bend in this particular way or you can only sit on the ring cushion. You know, that's that's not real, real living. Yeah. We should just end it right there. That is gorgeous. Because we, we do want people to, to live their life. And with the things that they love and, and be able to get all, all those pieces back that they've kind of stealing it. Yep. And then my but Skype starts to die. Someone's like, 
That's okay because we got end right after Bronnie mic drop. Yeah. Uh, the the it it makes a monstrous difference in someone's life if you can do the thing you used to be afraid of. Yes. Because then you start looking at what else is there instead of yes. I can't do yeah. this thing. It's like wait, start I just did behind that. boundaries. You start lo- looking beyond the boundaries, and and once you learn the skill of pushing yourself just a little bit beyond. There's nothing that you can't do, really. Right? And it's just a little more and a little more. No, I'm not going to touch a tarantula. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> I decided when I was doing my graded exposure treatment that I didn't actually need to touch. As well, long see, as you I were okay in the same room and I could put a glass over it or a tea towel and take it right. outside, that's all I needed to do. Yeah, that was as far as you had to go to be your most, be most normal self. Right. Yeah. It's and like, my motivation um, was because my daughter was doing the freaking out. <laughs> she, yeah, she, I was, she was learning to freak out the same that I as I did, and I thought I can't do that um, to her. Right, you we know? teach, we learn, we learn from our environment. We get those environmental yeah. cues of what we're supposed to be brave about and what we're supposed to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, except for those that are supposed to be uh, functional fears, like the lion jumping at you, not, yeah, not necessarily the spider. Dog I don't know. You guys have some pretty monstrous spiders I think a wise person would run from. So, <laughs> Especially in Australia. And they can kill you. <laughs> um, yeah. That's like, that's a rational, reasonable response. Yeah. So, But but when it's the piece of fluff on the floor, it is not a rational, is, reasonable response. And neither is the top of the tomato, even though Bo still takes it and pushes it under my nose. Oh, see, that's just not right. It's just not right. No. So some people think that VR, virtual reality, would be a way to do this. And I I am ambivalent about that um, because I actually think there's more merit in the real world. There's so much more variability that we can do in the real world. But, you know, that's um, it's gadgets and people it like might, it. Right. Well, it might be an interesting place to start to, to even think about it because to mm. one of the things I wanted to talk about when you said backing up, sometimes it's thinking about – like putting clothes on. Um, yeah. uh, we, there's a wonderful blog post. Erin was on here before, um, and she talks about the wearing of the underwear. Um, it's just just thinking about putting underwear on was enough to make her hurt. Mm-hmm. The that and that's that's so real. That's like yeah. that's that's what pain can do, and that a heightened protective response can do. So then you start by could you please. This is weird. Think about other people wearing underwear, I guess. I mean, how do you take that away from you? And and then, then you get a little silliness with it. And it's like, can you think, you know, find your favorite pair that you used to like. Or and buy, just look a at it. buy a new or pair. Or buy a new pair. Ooh, right? Yeah. Um, and, and whatever it is, and then just look at it and then think about putting it on. And then when that doesn't flare you, mm. then put it on and then take it back off. And then you create some space between that trigger and the response. Yeah. To, mm. to start to use it. But sometimes the people between the thought and the, the pain reaction is so close together mm. that there's not much space to work. Mm. And the, the beginning is just trying to, to get some room in there so that there can be variability. Which um, is where I find it gets tricky with, you know, if someone uh, has sexual relations with a penis and a penis is what they find scary, dilators, there's still a big difference between a big dilator mm. and a penis. And sometimes getting them to then, you know, directing them where to look at penises if they don't want to see their partner. That's right. Clone a willy or, 
you know, I mean, I have a lot of people who won't go on to the sex shops and I'm happy to go and pick something out for them and I will show them pictures of it and they can pick out a nice pretty purple one if they would like and then they can just look at it or just touch it or, yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Interesting. And and then, you know, think about it and and then just, there's, um, Tally Rosenbaum has a a beautiful um, how to great exposure of introducing a, a penis to a vagina um and, and it, it's very very polite and nice and respectful and 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 it's that is written down and that is somewhat of a protocol you can follow of of just here's here's how you can do this in a way that you know that it's going to be safe and the next step follows logically but it's always controlled and I will have um, to get that. I wonder if we can link to that because I did a course of hers and I have a feeling that's probably where I got that idea in my head. Didn't even think about that. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to look at that. I think it's on her website. Yeah, I'll try to link that in too. That would be good. Uh, There's some nice ones where you get the partner to start to play and there's no sex. Mm, and the sensate focus? Yeah, yeah, and just just do that and using yeah. the mindfulness as part of that, which is so... Yeah. So lovely. The challenge with that, though, is being okay to communicate that mm, to the yeah. partner. And, and that is actually as, as important as what you're doing with the person yeah. um, from a physical sense. And I, I wonder how, how often physiotherapists talk about, how do you talk to your partner about this? What do you say? What's well, I, I talk. I talk about that a lot because mm, I right. do. You know, um, <laughs> and there's the, a big variability in how people respond to. You're just like yeah. huge, because because yeah. culture matters and mm. and religion matters and age yeah. matters and and who your partner is. There's just so many variables. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's really scary because this is about someone rejecting you mm. because you said I don't want to do this right now. And that is incredibly scary for people. And that's a really good way to up the pain levels again. Yeah. If you're afraid that this person is going to back off and leave you and abandon you. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's hard when they're the person that they're with is that type of person. And you know that you, yeah. you can't change the person they're with, but you have to still mm. somehow guide them through this. Mm. Very tricky. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is. It's, it's, it's pain, but it's, it has a lot of, of, uh, contextual it's never just variability <laughs> it's never just pain is it it's relationships nope. it's fun it's, it's how you view human, your own it's the human self. attached yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh thank you so but much guys is, go on no go on <laughs> no i so think that is what makes this fun i use the fun word not to say that i enjoy that people are hurting but i really really love that there are answers for it yeah. and that that we can take someone that has lost hope and stop trying and help them get better and help them get parts of their life back. And that I love. That's the magic, isn't it? So so cool. Cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking time out again to 